0: The Ad Couch by Jake McKenzie, and available on theadcouch.com, where psychology meets creative advertising. This is podcast number seven. On the couch today is Jake McKenzie. Today, we're going to be talking about the endowment effect, or in lay terms, the concept of personalization in marketing, and a closely related principle called the sunk cost fallacy. Now, most of us have heard the story, often told by Dale Carnegie, about the most popular words in the English language. Now, he recounts how the telephone company ran a study where they listened in on phone calls and they merely counted the words that were used. And the most popular words in the English language? Well, you know the answer. They're I and me. In fact, it's pretty well known that our favorite subjects are ourselves. We value people that want to talk about us. And we value things that reflect how we want to be perceived. In fact, we're so focused on ourselves and our lives that we elevate everything that reflects this value. Our friends, our family, and items that reflect who we want to be seen as. In psychology, this is referred to as the endowment effect. Now, it's been well-researched by a number of folks in a number of different ways. And in 1980, Kahneman uh, ran a study that showed that people value their own items more than an identical item that they don't own. Now, the way they set this study up was by giving people sports tickets, and they had to purchase it at a certain price level. Then they had to put it on the open market for sale. And what was fascinating is even seeing what tickets were going for had little effect on where they framed it. They wanted to value their ticket above what others on the market were going for. Now, the explanation for this phenomenon was pretty evident. It was a great example of the endowment effect. Things that I own or things that are related to me, I put more value on. Now, we see this played out in a couple of different ways. The first is something we call benchmarking. And behavioral economics tells us that the price we paid for something becomes that benchmark for the value of that thing, not the current price of the same item. So when that we're selling our house, we start at the basis of what we paid for it, not what is going on in the open market. The second place that we see this taking an effect is how it creates demand for items. If you can get a human to relate something to themselves, they will increase their value of that thing even though they don't own it yet. Now, both of these are things that marketers are slowly beginning to become aware of and understand the power of this phenomenon in the marketing space they've long been aware of a very similar phenomenon called the sunk cost fallacy. And the sunk cost fallacy really means two different things. The first is what scientists will call the overly optimistic probability bias. And what that simply means is that once we make an investment, once we make a statement, we significantly raise our expectations of that investment's performance in spite of the same conditions being present. Now, the example everybody likes to use was a study from 1968 by Knox and Inkster around sports betting. They talked to bettors just before they were going to place a bet. Hey, you know, you're gonna bet on this football game, as an example, what do you think your odds are of winning? And they would say, well, you know, 50%, 51%, et cetera. Well, then they would allow them to place the bet and they would ask them, hey, what do you think your odds of winning? Well, now that they had actually placed that bet, they would raise their expectation of winning To around 69 percent, so a jump in their confidence level of placing the bet merely by the action of placing it, and that's referred to as the sunk cost fallacy. The second place that we see it in play is when we believe in the future value of something if we're related to it. So if we have a high personal responsibility for an investment of some sort, an item or a a physical investment of, of cash, like if you made the call to invest in something or to buy something, you've got that relationship. But when we're more removed from that, if somebody else made the investment or the decision to buy, we have a tendency to be much more rational about it, and that we refer to both of these as the sunk cost fallacy. Now, in lay terms, we simply view this as the potential wasting of resources. The example I like to use is if somebody gives you a movie ticket and says, hey, go see a movie, but then you hear that the movie is absolutely terrible or something you're just not going to want to see, many people will still go to that movie anyway. And when you ask them later, why did they go or you evaluate that decision, they will tell you that they felt like, well, they were wasting resources. That's an interesting concept in that they didn't pay for something, but they were still related to it. It was that sunk cost fallacy. I now have something and I'm going to lose the value in it, even though there was very little perceived value. Now, this is also known as the Concorde fallacy. Now, the Concorde fallacy got to be famous because of the Concorde, the supersonic jet that used to fly between Europe and the United States. Now, most people don't know that this was an investment piece, uh, mostly by the British and French governments. What's interesting is long after it became abundantly evident that there was no economic case to keep the Concorde program alive, the British and French governments continued pouring money into this and it was simply that sunk cost fallacy. They felt like, well, we've gone this far, we've got to finish it out. And I think that's a concept most of us are inherently familiar with. Hey, we've put this much into it, we've got to go ahead and finish it out. Now the question becomes, how are marketers leveraging these concepts, that personalization and the sunk cost fallacy? And the short answer is, is they're trying to create situations where there's a higher level of personal engagement with something. Now, a few examples of these. The first is that they are getting people to test products. It may be a test drive. It may be try this free for 30 days or a beta period with software or new hardware. And it simply is true that once somebody takes possession of something, they raise the value of that thing. And this is true even in the showroom. If you hand somebody something and they hold it in their hand, a watch as an example, and they hold it for any length of time, they are more likely to want that product than a similar group of people who merely saw pictures or descriptions of it. So it's a great way of leveraging that sunk cost fallacy. The second place that we're seeing this a lot is in the digital space, and this is the personalization of products and services. And we're now very familiar with our uh, ability to put names on just about anything. You can order shirts with your initials on it. You can order a pair of running shoes that have your name stenciled on the bottom of it. M&Ms allow you to personalize the messages on the individual candies. And there are tons and tons of examples. And what we have found is that giving people the ability to do this creates an endowment effect. They significantly raise the value of that thing because it becomes personalized. The third way that we're seeing this play out in marketing is in the online space, and specifically online shopping. And most of us will be very familiar with this concept. As we shop for something, we will notice that the sites begin to tailor themselves to our preferences. Now, if you've ever bought anything off of Amazon, which most of us have, every time you go back, you'll realize they're beginning to tailor their recommendations for you. They'll use words like, this is Jake's shopping cart. These are Jake's shoes that you've been looking for. Uh, In ads, banner ads specifically, we get much higher click-through rates when you mention even the local town that somebody is in within the ad. And in remarketing, where you were showing somebody a product that they were shopping for but didn't buy, the more specific you can be. If you show pictures of that specific product somebody was shopping for, if you can use their name, if you can use their town, things that personalize it, it dramatically increases the effectiveness. And we get that concept. We want things to be personalized for us, and so we can expect that to continue in the future as we get very tailored recommendations. Well, the fourth way we're very familiar with, and that is simply ways to initiate trial. And this is why we see, particularly in the early stages of product and service release, you see a lot of rebates and coupons, things to get people to try something. Because once people try something, the endowment effect kicks in. Well, this is something that I do. It changes your self-definition, and people want it more. There was an interesting phenomenon that we're going to use as an example for the number five way, Um, that's begin to peter out where they would ask you to add something to your cart before they would reveal the price of it or give you the amount of the rebate or some other action. But you had to add it to your cart or click favorite. And the reason they did this is the endowment effect is because once you added it to your cart or once you click the favorite button, you would elevate the opportunity for purchasing that product. You merely wanted it more. And people didn't really understand what was happening although they saw a much greater level of click throughs and and purchase completions when this occurred the last popular area where the endowment effect and personalization is really taking place is post-purchase or after somebody is already a, a client and what they do is very subtle it's in the language that they use it's beginning to refer to product and services in a personalized way. So they might say, hey, this is your widget, or this is your car, or Jake's shirt. And it's changing the tone of that purchase makes you feel more endowed for that purchase so that you elevate your feelings towards that decision. And it ties somewhat closely in with the commitment principle, but that personalizing effect has a very profound effect. Well, I hope you can see that the endowment effect and personalization along with the sunk cost fallacy, are all very powerful psychological drivers. And again, great examples of how our decisioning sometimes can be less than rational. And you're also get some good examples of how marketers are beginning to adapt themselves to leverage that phenomenon by creating more personalization, by trying to give you endowed principles of things, and by keeping you involved in processes so that you have a sunk cost fallacy, meaning you're much more likely to complete that purchase and then elevate your belief in the rightness of that action. Some very powerful drivers. Questions or comments? Tweet us at The Ad Couch or visit us at theadcouch.com.